better. Okay. Okay, today on Epiphany Sunday, as we recognize that the Son of Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, the light of the world has come into, the, into this world. The thing that we're going to talk about is about discipleship, and this is a series that I'll be talking about here for the next couple of months, is the topic of discipleship. The Apostle Paul spent the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans explaining Jesus Christ. I'm not going to do that today. I am going to skip right to chapter 12 to talk to us about discipleship. The Apostle Paul says that after explaining the gospel, after explaining who Jesus Christ was and the need for Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he comes to the conclusion that nothing else makes any more sense than to give up our lives, to give up ourselves, to become a living sacrifice, to follow Jesus Christ every step of the way. And so today, as I start the series on discipleship, discipleship, So as I start on this topic of discipleship, I am starting on it based upon the assumption that we all believe in Jesus Christ. That we all believe that he is the Son of God, that God himself has stepped down from his own kingdom and has come into this world to reveal himself in his Son as Jesus Christ. Because apart from that assumption, apart from that faith, apart from that belief in who Jesus Christ is, then the topic of discipleship makes absolutely no sense. And so in order for us to even begin to talk about discipleship, we must believe that Jesus Christ is God himself. He is the Son of of God who stepped down into this world, who revealed himself to us. And if that is who he is, if we truly have faith in that, then as the Apostle Paul concluded in chapter 12, Nothing else makes sense except to follow Jesus Christ. Nothing else makes sense except to follow and to be his disciple. And of course, many times in our churches nowadays, one of the things that we often do is that we have made discipleship so easy that there is no expectations. But as the scripture that was read here by Bill, we see that there is an expectation. These words are from Jesus Christ himself. That if you are not willing to carry your cross, then you cannot be his disciple. If you're not willing to carry your cross, then you cannot follow Jesus Christ. The cross is a sign of shame. Often it is. It is a sign of death. It is is a sign of denying yourself, giving up everything, as as the passage says at the end, that you must give up everything to follow me. And that's what discipleship is all about, is are we willing to die to follow Christ? Are we willing to die to ourselves, to the desires, the passions that we have in ourselves, so that we can be reborn, we can experience the new birth, that the the passions that we have will no longer be our passions, the desires that we have will no longer be our desires but that we will share in the passions and in the desires of Jesus Christ himself. It is a case of death. It is a case of surrender, giving up everything. And this is what discipleship is all about. It is about counting the cost. Even before we can go on this journey of discipleship, 
we need to count the costs. Is this something that we're willing to do? Is this something that we can do? Because if we're not willing to give up, if we're not willing to die to ourselves, there's no point to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're just going to fail. We're just going to fail as individuals. We're just going to fail as a church. There are many churches out there that don't follow you know, the crisis standards of discipleship. They're simply there to, to entertain themselves. They're simply there because it's a tradition for them. They're there because their parents have led them to church, and so they've been going to church their whole life, and so they have nothing else to do on Sundays. But when we talk about discipleship, it's not about tradition. It's not about what our parents have taught us. It's not about just going to church, but it's about dying to our own self-desires and giving all of that up. And so we have to count the cost, and we have to consider before we go on this journey as to whether or not this is something we're willing to do. And so today, as members of this church, one of the things that I want you to think about, questions that I want you to be able to respond to, and think about this to yourselves. All of you, each and every single one of you, is an important part of our church. As a member of this church, we welcome feedback from each and every single one of you. So how would you, as a member of this church, respond to the following questions? The first question is, how have our church intentionally carry out Christ's command to make disciples over the last 20 years? And I know it's kind of small up here, but let me read that again. How have our church, okay, this church here, the First United Methodist Church of Orville, over the last 20 years, how have we intentionally carry out Christ's command to make disciples? Let us think about that. The second question, if the desired end product of a local church ministry is a healthy, discipled student, what does such a person look like at a given age level? Something for us to think about also. At every age level, at every age level, what do we want the students here at our church to be like? How have we defined that in the past? How are we currently defining that today as we carry out our ministry within our church? Question number three. Are the current ministry programs offered by our church intentionally designed to make uh, healthy disciples at every age level, okay? Everything that we're doing right now is designed to make healthy disciples at every age level. And then how would you, as a member of this church, how would you design a ministry master plan that can ensure that healthy disciples are being made at every age? age level. We're talking about children. We're talking about youth. We're talking about young um, single adults. We're talking about young couples. We're talking about the elderly, the seniors within our church. How would you define at every age level what a healthy disciple is? What kind of plan would you put together to ensure that we are creating these healthy disciples at every age level? Now, the purpose of this series is to help us it's designed to help us answer these previous questions. 
and to encourage and equip our church leaders and teachers to plan and design their ministries so that healthy disciples are being made at every age level. And it's also designed to help us rethink about discipleship, to think about what it means to, be, to, to do discipleship within our church. And so what is discipleship? Do we think of discipleship as a program? Okay. Do we think of it as a program, or do we think of discipleship as a process? Something for us to think about. Is it a series of events? Okay, is discipleship about a series of events, a set of a, a schedule, or is it a catalyst to change lives? How is it that we, as a church, how is it that we're currently thinking about discipleship within our church? Is it a set of classes? Is it a set of courses? Or is it a mentoring relationship? How have we been approaching discipleship within our church for the last 20 years? Have we been simply bringing people in to, to take classes and then just let them go home? Or are we providing mentoring relationships on a daily basis to our church members and to the students within our churches? Are we simply filling time? Are we simply covering a curriculum? Are we simply running a program? Are we simply here to keep records and attendance records? Are we simply here to provide childcare so that our parents will have time to go and worship in the church? Or are we creating healthy disciples? What, have, what has been the purpose of our discipleship program at this church? What is it that we have been doing? So the, all these things are things that we need to start thinking about. Because a healthy disciple equals a healthy church. Without healthy disciples, we're not going to have healthy churches. Without growing disciples, we're not going to have growing churches. It says here, a healthy disciple will grow naturally, just like a healthy child will grow naturally. A disciple that is sick, a disciple that is ill, a disciple that has some kind of disease will not grow. Just like a, just like a child that is sick will not grow. But yet we understand that having a healthy disciple, they will grow naturally just like a healthy child will grow naturally. And then, of course, growing disciples equals growing churches. And we cannot make a church grow. Many times we often think about, how can I make a church grow? How can this pastor come here and make this church grow? And the reality is that we can't. We cannot make a church grow just like how we can't make our children grow. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I planted the sea, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So the only person that's able to make the church grow is God. That is his role. It's not our role to make the church grow. But what we can do, what our role is to do, is we can provide a balance of nutrition for a healthy church that will grow healthy disciples. So our duty is to watch the health of the church and to ensure that the, the church is operating in a healthy fashion, just like it is for us to watch out for the health of our children. We are to take care of our children. When they get sick, we're to be able to provide them care. 
When they, need, when they need to eat, we need to provide them food, nutrition, and things of that sort. We don't make our children grow, but we watch their health. We help watch their health. God is the one that makes our children grow. And the same thing applies for the church, is that we can't make the church grow, but what we can do is we can provide a healthy environment. We can watch the health of our church and maintain that health in our church. And when we have that healthy church, then our disciples will grow. The people of our church will grow, and our church itself will grow. And so what we do is we get rid of diseases, right? When we watch our children, we get rid of diseases. It's just like taking care of the church health. We take care of our church's church health. Jesus said to Peter in John chapter 21 three times, and he asked him, Peter, three times, do you love me? And for three times, Peter says, I do. And each time that Jesus, uh, Peter says that I do, Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep. And this is what we are to do. We are to feed the flock of God. We are to feed the sheep of God with the word of God. When we don't do that, the church does not grow. When we do not feed our church, when they have nothing to eat, they do not grow. Just, take a, just, just like a child. If you, do, you neglect that child. If we don't feed that child, we, we don't provide any nutrition for that child, the child is not going to grow. They're not going to be healthy. And so it's essential, essential as a church that we feed the sheep of the church, that we feed them with the Word of God. And so to take care of our health, we need to understand what discipleship is. And so discipleship here is a process, okay? It is a process. It is not a program, but it is a process by which the Holy Spirit works through the inspired scriptures, okay? Related materials and spirit-empowered believers to lead individuals to Christ, build them up in Christ, and equip them for effective, lifelong ministry for Christ. And so that is how we define what discipleship is all about. Now, the first thing I want us to realize here is that it says that it is a process. It is not a program. It is a process and then it says, by which the Holy Spirit works, okay? And it's not a process of how we work, but it is a process in which the Holy Spirit is working throughout the church. There is a reason. There is a reason why mainline Protestant churches are dying here in America. While more charismatic churches like Pentecost and, and, um, and others are growing. There is a reason for that, Okay? You know, we have the Assemblies of God and, and Pentecostal Church and more charismatic churches, um, more you know, charismatic-leaning churches in America are, are growing, and yet mainline Protestant churches are dying. And that is the emphasis on the Holy Spirit, the understanding of the role of the Holy Spirit. Discipleship is defined by what the Holy Spirit does, not defined by what we do. And many times we will find in many churches, many times we'll find in many churches that we will all say the same thing. We will all use the same terminologies. We will all use the very same words. But the meaning behind those words are very different. We define those words very different. We can all talk about the Holy Spirit, but we define the Holy Spirit very differently. That's the reason why we have so many denominations. That's the reason why we have so many churches. Is because many times we use these same words, but we define it differently. And so 
When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the understanding of the Holy Spirit from the Scriptures. Many churches, they understand the Holy Spirit to be something that is, is, is something that is part of their emotion. It's part of their feelings. It's part of what they want. Okay? And so we have to understand that Jesus Christ said to his disciples when he was about to be crucified, he said that the Holy Spirit will come. He will come and he will lead you into all truth, into all truth, but he will not speak by himself. He will only speak of what he hears. And when Jesus Christ says that he will only speak of what he hears, Jesus Christ is referring his disciples back to the Trinity, back to the understanding of the Trinity, saying that the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son will never contradict one another. And that they will, you know, they will always speak through the inspired scriptures. And that the Holy Spirit will never contradict what has been revealed to us through the scriptures. And yet many times when we see, when we, when we talk about the Holy Spirit nowadays, a lot of times even the Holy Spirit is continually, continually um, contradicting the scriptures. And yet we still define this as the Holy Spirit. But when we talk about discipleship, we're talking about the Holy Spirit working through these inspired scriptures. And the fathers, the church fathers, didn't just one day sit down and decided that, you know, we're going to put the scriptures together. In this, you know, we're just going to throw everything together. And they, they didn't do that. They're, they were very, very strict, um, very, very strict things in which they, they, needed, they needed in order for them to put the scriptures together. One of the things that they looked for was that it needed it needed evidence to, to show that the scripture um, was written by someone who was either a disciple of Jesus Christ or who had connection with Jesus Christ. And so many times when we look at the books, such as the book of Thomas, the book of Barnabas, and things of that sort, and we say, well, it's not in the Bible. Why is it not in the Bible? Because there was no evidence. There was no evidence that Thomas wrote it. There was no evidence that Anybody that, that had a connection with the apostles, with the disciples, wrote it. And so without that evidence, that's why they didn't put it in the Bible. So there are very strict standards for them while they put the scriptures together. And of course, that works through the Holy uh, inspired scriptures. Related materials in spirit-empowered believers. And so if we have the wrong definition of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to have spirit-empowered believers. And so when, in order for us to be able to disciple people is that we need spirit-empowered believers, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, teaching our children, discipling our children, leading our children. It says here, to lead individuals to Christ, build them up in Christ, and equip them for effective lifelong ministry for Christ. You know, a lot of times it goes back to understanding what the Holy Spirit is really goes back to that. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we don't understand what the Holy Spirit really is, then we can't lead individuals to Christ. We're leading individuals to something else. We're not building them up in Christ, but we're building them up in something else. And then, in the end, we're not able to equip them because we, have, we never, in the first place, we never built them up for Christ. 
Maybe we were just building them up for our denomination. Maybe we were just building them up for our church, but we never built them up for Christ. And so in the end, they leave and they never come back because they've never been built up. They've never been equipped for a lifelong ministry for Christ. They've never been equipped to be a part of our church for, for, for their lifetime. Instead, we've been equipping them for something else. We've been equipping them to go out and do something else. And so many times we lose our church members because from the time they're born to the time that they're, they're old enough to leave the house, we've never equipped them. We've never led them. We've never explained to them what it means uh, to have the Holy Spirit. We've never explained to them what it means, what the scriptures mean. We never develop in our church spirit and power to believers to lead individuals to Christ, build them up in Christ, and equip them for effective ministry. And so this is, I want to end this here, here, and I'll talk about the rest later on. We're, we're running out of time. But this is what discipleship is all about, is a process in which the Holy Spirit is working. And even our United Methodist Church, even our emblem, that, that red fire that you see is an, is an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And that's something that we really need to go back to, is to emphasize on what the Holy Spirit is doing within the church to understand the Holy Spirit, to understand the role of the Holy Spirit from a scriptural view, from a scriptural view, because he works through the inspired scriptures. He does not contradict the inspired scriptures. And so many times, when, you know, oftentimes we'll hear people talking about the Holy Spirit, they're just talking about what they want, what their desires is. That's not carrying our cross. So we start at the, that, that foundation of carrying our cross in order for us to become disciples of Jesus Christ, to deny ourselves, to die, for, to, towards, uh, to die before we can follow Jesus Christ. And without that death, we can't even proceed. We can't even proceed as disciples of Jesus Christ. And so that's very important for us to understand. Let us pray together. God, we thank you so much for your message today on discipleship. As we begin this series, we ask that you bless us so that we come to understand what it means to be a disciple. That we're willing to just carry our cross and to follow your son, Jesus Christ, wherever he may go. And so we lift everyone up to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.